Hey, it's Ashley Nicole. I appreciate y'all for listening and hopefully you're all getting your, keeping your cheeses on your crackers. I'm dropping in on this episode to give you some goodies. Have you been wanting to get into the podcast game and don't know where to start? I got you. I have answers. If you haven't already heard about Anchor by Spotify, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Anchor has everything you need all in one place. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Let me say it again um, in case you missed it. Everything that you need to make a podcast is conveniently in one place. And best of all, Anchor is free. Free 99, zero dollars, zero cents. So go ahead and download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm and get started now. I can't wait to listen to your podcast too. Right. During this part of the discussion, we would like to discuss how gender roles, how gender plays a role in the Black Lives Matter movement. What role do you feel that your gender plays in the movement and how do you believe it impacts your mental health? Um, I want to start with Latasha um, because you are probably, um, during the time of COVID, people are sitting in their thoughts, right? Both you and Paige are dealing with this on a regular basis. People are, they have no choice but to not be distracted. They have no choice but to be focusing on self and self-reflection um, and um, the current civil unrest. So. Um, Tasha, like Latasha, I apologize. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Um, and I'll repeat the question again. What role do you feel that your gender plays at this moment? Um, and how uh, you believe it impacts your mental health? The first thing, first word that comes to mind for me is this idea of the superwoman complex. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm seeing some hands shaking. And, and when this all started, it, 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 it shook up my world, you know, and here I am, I'm a therapist. I am, you know, well educated. I have this really good daytime job and I, I personally struggled a little bit, you know, um, and, and I'll, you know, self-disclose a little bit. I also, I live alone. And that kicked in and, and that kind of hit me a little bit like a ton of bricks that I didn't even expect. I also have two brothers and this is what I meant by superwoman complex. I had to support them too. And then they don't, they don't even reside here with me in Philadelphia. They're in New York city. And you know, New York city, when all of this went down was, you know, it was, it was a lot going on in New York city. Right. And so I was superwoman. I had to try to take care of myself, adjust to working from home, try to support my brothers. And that means support in giving mental health, emotional support, financial support because they lost their jobs, supporting friends, supporting other family members. I also lost family members during this time. So I also went through some, a little bit of grief, you know, and during, you know, and, and then supporting the family members that experienced that, checking in with people. So it certainly affected me as a woman because there was just a level of nurturing and care that I wasn't able to get because of we had to have social distancing and then I'm here alone, right? And then I had to really, like they say, dig in my toolbox of like, all right, Tasha, you, you know how to do this. You know how to get through this. But then again, I really didn't. Who, who knows how to get through a pandemic? First of all, they don't teach you that in grad school. Mm -hmm. And there's no manual either on how to do it as a person. So I had to really find those ways outside of the typical stuff of going out, you know, maybe not wanting to have a drink or two because then we can know that can potentially run into a problem. Like I had to find different ways on how to manage. And I want to be careful when I'm saying man, of cope versus manage, because this was, we don't know how long this was going to last. So I had to manage because coping sometimes can be a short term thing. I had to manage it because I didn't know how long this was going to take place. And then when it comes to my profession, oh my gosh, I mean, I had people coming out, the, coming out of everywhere wanting therapy, wanting services, right? And like, this was even before I decided to put myself out there on social media just a little bit. I legitimately have a wait list. 
And I've been doing private practice for a couple of years now. Let's say I've had my business since 2016. I've never had a wait list. I have a wait list. And, I, and that's mainly because I also have a day job. So I have to have balance. Mm. So when it comes to how it affected my mental health, one of the other things I also had to really learn back to that superwoman complex, you got to be strong and support everybody. I also had to learn to communicate what I need. Because at this superwoman complex, there's this idea that you're strong, you got it together, you're going to be okay. Because for the most part, I have been. But I had to start reaching out to people. I had to start saying, um, I, can you just talk to me for a little bit? Can we get on the phone right now? I have a, my best friend. She's in New York. We send each other an, a certain emoji. We know what that means. No, you don't even have to ask a question. We know what that means. If we miss a call from each other, we shoot, we shoot each other a text. You okay? Because then that lets us know what we need in that moment. Then do I need to stop what I'm doing and go give my best friend some attention and vice versa? And then I have other people in my life where we have our thing of how we have to connect. I had to change the game a little bit in terms of how I navigated my world. Most importantly, another thing too, I also had to develop a different routine. And I also had to stick to a routine. So that's everything from how many hours of sleep I was getting. Because when this whole thing happened, I, was, uh, I wasn't working for a little bit. We still getting paid, blessfully and thankfully, but I wasn't working. So then it was like my days were running together. I was sleeping till noon. I was tired. I wasn't eating right. I wasn't drinking water. I was getting headaches. And so I, had to, quick question. I had to redo so, all of that. So quick question. In a situation like that, right, who does the therapist go to? Right. Um, you know, as a professional on the line, who do you go to? I mean, one of the things that you mentioned was there's a wellness check in between you and your friends and family. But um, there's a level of um, support that they can give you. Right. Um, you know, I was I was told psychiatrists have their own psychiatrists. Right. Um, because they need to check in to make sure that they're in a balanced place to um, appropriately support their patients. Um, you know, who do you check into, right? Like, you know, is it a bad thing for a mental health professional to be seeking a mental health professional, right? Um, or is it a red flag when they say, well, I don't see anybody? You know, that can be subjective. And, you know, different people have different needs when it comes to that. And so I don't want to give a, a black and white type answer to that. Well, but what I would say is that, you know, it kind of goes into when you're seeking help, right? To answer your question, Paige, who do I go to? I seek, I have, I have the support of a professional. I do too have the support of a professional and I am not ashamed to admit to that. I too have a therapist. Therapists have therapists. And quite honestly, they teach you that in graduate school, because here's the thing, like, how can you, well, let's just say, ideally, you want to understand the experience of the people that you're hurt, you're supporting to some extent. So I also understand what it's like to be in therapy and be told some things that are uncomfortable for me to be told some things. Oh my God, I really didn't think of it that way. Despite all of my training, because here's the thing, despite my training, my, my background, my professional experience, there's things that I can't always use those skills. It doesn't work sometimes when you try to do it yourself. And also it allows me to take myself outside of what I know. And sometimes you just need to hear things a different way from a different person, from a different voice for it to stick, for it to help. So yes, therapists have therapists. And if anybody who is seeking one, that might be a question you want to ask. Have you ever been in therapy before? Please. I've had people ask me that, please. And I answer, yes. I've had it intermittently throughout certain times of my life. Absolutely. Because here's the other thing too. I can't show up for you if my stuff ain't right. Right. Because mm -hmm. the other thing too, sometimes in the work that I'm, I'm doing with my client, it brings up some stuff for me. And I gotta be super careful of that. So I don't transfer my stuff onto them because then that's not helpful for the therapeutic process. Absolutely that's therapists true. ideally would have a therapist or have been in there at some point in time. Thank you very much. So Paige, as a, um, you mentioned earlier that you had to help people out with crisis, right? Um, during this time as a woman, um, you know, how do you see your, yourself play a role into what's going on today, right? You're talking about the killing of innocent black men and women. Um, uh, Latasha just talked about the superwoman um, syndrome where you have to feel like you have to be there for everyone. 
Um, and then um, as a person who's here to aid, you too need help, right? You know, how are you able to balance that out to make sure that, you know, just like Latasha, that you're, you're in a good space to be able to provide those in crisis or redirect those in crisis to the right resources? Um, definitely, I had to start therapy for sure, uh, because this time was a very interesting time for me. I actually, right in February, left my job, my full-time job, to build my business. And so right as, I think February 21st was my last day. And then here in Florida, we went into Safer at Home order on May 14th, I mean, March 14th. So I already was kind of like fatigued from my job. And I'm like, oh, I just need a little break until, you know, April 1st. But now you have all these other people who now um, aren't going to work. And so now I'm like in my community, like people know me as that connector. Right. So now I'm getting all the calls. So I feel like I was kind of like fielding so many people towards therapists, calling my friends like, hey, can you take on someone? Can you take on someone? You live like fielding them to all these different people. And then also trying to figure out my own thing. Like, OK, um, how am I going to grow my business when everything's shutting down? And then for me, it went from. Um, trying to figure out how to grow my business. So now everyone wanting to work with me. And so I was like totally overwhelmed because I'm like, I really needed this time to kind of like build the things I need to build. And now it's like, um, oh, we need you to help teach this class. We need you to help do this. We need you to help do that. And I'm like, I just want to turn my phone off. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I just want to disconnect. And I love to travel. So not being able to just hop on the flight and go out the country and be like, sorry, y'all can't get in touch with me because I'm gone. I, I felt obligated to pick up my phone. And so I just found myself just getting so bogged down to the point where I was like okay I need to get a therapist and it was so funny because I was talking with my therapist and she was like you're doing so great and I was like yeah I know I was broke down to the ground during my first session and she was like yeah you were and I was like yeah I know I was because because people see me as the backbone to everything in work in my friendships like I'm the person that everyone calls for everything family, friends, professionally. So for me, I was like, well, who am I going to talk to? Who can I call when everyone's calling my number? And so for me, therapy really helped me because I was just about to have my own breakdown. And then like Latasha, I live alone. And, you know, um, touch is one of my love languages. So I need to be touched. I need a hug, you know, and I came from a profession where we hug each other all the time. And so to go weeks, Without a hug, I was losing it in here. So I started just getting out and going hiking. So that's another thing I think that we as Black people don't do enough is getting in touch with nature. So this was my opportunity to really do that. And um, in Florida, we have so many hiking trails. And I just took a list. And I'm like, that's the one thing I can do to get out. Not many people were on the trails and just start hiking and, and meditating and practicing mindfulness. And the, the funny thing is, is like before I went to go sit down with a therapist, I'm like, I know what I need to do but I still just need somebody to bounce these things off of and someone who's going to listen to what I'm saying without judgment because when people look at you as the backbone to everything when you try to be vulnerable and say that you're going through something it's not received the same way you know when people call me and they're going through something I try to really show that empathy but people look at me like Tasha said like a superwoman so I was like oh what you go through stuff really well, I'm sure you can get through it. I'm like, uh, yeah, but it would be nice to get the same, you know, the same empathy that I'm giving you. So to be in therapy and have that, I think that is, that's what I need most because half of the activities that she has me to do and things like that, I'm like, oh, I know, I know this is what I'm supposed to be doing, but just having that person to talk to and unload while, and so someone taught me about, um, not pouring from an empty cup, but pouring from your abundance, right? So therapy gives me that abundance. It fills me up so I can keep pouring out into others and I'm no longer getting empty. So I feel like during this time now, I'm fine. 
Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm excited. And I feel like I've been um, using my radio show to really, um, you know, talk about the issues and really be at the forefront of the movement, telling everyone, you know, keeping people updated on what's going on, you know, mm -hmm. and especially now this is an election year. So I feel like it is my duty to educate people on who, like what we need to know about mail-in ballots and, and getting out to the polls and understanding the importance of local elections and not just the national, the, um, the presidential election. And so for me, I feel like, especially because the Black Lives Matter movement was started by women, you know, as a woman, I feel like, you know, like this is my movement. Like I have to be at the forefront. But in order to do that, I had to make sure that I was uh, mentally prepared and just coming up with my own self-care regimen of being knowing when to check out and, you know, turn my phone off. And like now, like because I do radio, I don't really watch the news after I get off radio. Like I do yeah. what I need to do to stay updated, to talk about it the next day. But like sitting and watching CNN, like I used to, like that's, I can't do that. Yeah. Like CNN doesn't, CNN right. doesn't really help. It causes more, <laughs> it causes more anxiety than anything else. But um, you did bring up a great point and I'm gonna um, ask the, the, the panel um, is um, practicing, um, Oh man, I just had the thought. Practicing mindfulness, right? Is everyone aware of what practicing mindfulness is? Mm. Yes, no, maybe. Nod yes if you understand what practicing mindfulness is. All right, Jackie, you look a little confused. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just, I wanna make sure that somebody that can properly explain it, explains it. Because it's, it's I just learned it myself, right? Um, because I am in therapy and it was one of those things that helped me um, deal with my anxiety, right? Um, and in a nutshell, it's living in the moment, being able to um, not think outside of what's going on right now, right? Um, and for me, it helped me reduce my levels of anxiety, allow me to not worry about all the time, 10, 20 steps ahead, but my breath, you know, my current life, how I'm feeling. Um, and so um, practicing mindfulness allows us to be still and in the moment, um, in my opinion, right? Um, that's just how I perceived it to be. And I think mm -hmm. everyone would perceive it as a different thing. Um, and so thank you for bringing that up. Um, Stephanie, um, you know, the Black Lives, Black Lives Matter movement has been, um, gaining momentum over the last couple of years, right? Um, marketing, uh, communication from big far, big businesses, everyone's taking on this, you know, um, we are with the movement. Um, as a woman in communications, right? Um, how do you feel as though that, um, if at all, women are portrayed, um, women are um, given kind of the opportunity to represent organizations and or represent what's going on um, in today's society? I think that's a really important question, but if you guys don't mind, I wanna backtrack a little bit because when go ahead, we talk go ahead. about communications and marketing, we tend to think on a macro level, right? But on a micro level, women are often seen as the more emotional creatures, which means that we're supposed to bear all the emotional support for things that end up giving us this superwoman complex, right? I think it's important to note that every single woman on this panel has talked about boundaries. And as a black community, I think boundaries are vital to our mental health. And I think we don't think about them in the way that boundaries is mindfulness and boundaries is protecting your energy and your space so that you can continue to fight, so that you can continue to drive culture and be a community. I think in our history, it's important to notice that slavery destroyed our boundaries. Mm -hmm. So if I have a family and I have three kids and the woman next to me has a family and she has two kids and both of our husbands literally get pulled apart by horses and now they're dead, we have to support each other in this shack together so that both of us and our children can live, right? And so it creates this um, environment where we share everything together and we don't have boundaries. And in 2020, what that looks like is 
not picking up the phone because you could be dead. So literally, if I don't call my mom and tell her that I made it home, she's liable to show up at my door to make sure that I made it home that night. And so for me to say, I want to put my phone on do not disturb, it took me two years to get my family to understand if you haven't heard from me in 24 hours, nothing has happened to me. If it's been 48 to 72, okay, let's, you know, get a little worried. But I think as a community, because we had to band together and have safety, it took away our sense of boundaries. And now in order for us to keep the good fight going, we have to have 30 minutes, an hour, some time to ourselves to even process what is happening to me, right? But that's not boundary time. That's processing time, which is also for our mental health. Now I need an hour to myself to say, I'm going to do something that feeds my joy. Like your t-shirt says, I'm just here for the food. We need to be fed mentally, physically, spiritually, whether that's going for a walk or reading a book or watching TV. And I think to what Paige was talking about, I think we also don't connect with nature because if you went out in nature, you ended up hanging from a tree. And I don't mean to be so brash about it, but this is the truth that we're living. And this is how we see it manifest decades and decades later. So as a woman, I think there is no set role for me. I think as a black person, my job is to model what I think it's okay to be. And for me, modeling to my family and the people around me, it's okay to take time for yourself. Now that they they understand, oh, it's okay for Stephanie, but they take it a step further and say, it's okay for me too. So if I want to go to sleep tonight, instead of being on call for somebody, I can do that. If I want to turn off the news today because I've seen black death for the past five days in a row, I can do that. And I think it's important for us to give each other permission to take care of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Thank oh, you wow. so much for that insight. Cause you, there you go with the realness, Stephanie. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I want to kind of piggyback off of um, some things I've seen because I've been, I would say stalking y'all social medias, but I got to know who y'all are. And I'm going to start with Tisa. I know recently with um, with everything that's going on, um, Black Lives Matter, mental health, um, we've seen the protect Black women. We've seen things of that nature. As a Black woman, um, in this current time, how do you feel um, all together? How do you feel protected? How do you feel when it comes to like our community, black men, black women, as a black woman, how do you feel you stand within that? Um, right now, honestly, I feel like it's just, it's a trending topic. Like there are men, um, who they follow up with action. They don't just say it just because it's a thing to be said around, say right now, but they actually go about doing it within their everyday lives. Um, but I feel like some men, they feel like, in a sense, women are weak. So they take it as, you know, literally protect black women. Like, it's just a physical thing. But to me, like, if you say you're going to protect me, I need you to protect all of me and see and acknowledge all of me, my emotional, my spiritual, my mental, physically, everything, not just my physical, because you think that I'm a lesser being and I just need you to just show up and be present. But I need you to be all the way present. And some men don't know how to do that or they just don't want to do it. So they, I feel like some, they just, it's catchy now. Like, oh, protect black women. But how do you fix your mouth to say, you know, like you're going to protect black women when you still treat women like trash, you Mm -hmm. know, like you still pillow talking and you're doing all this other stuff. Like you're still hurting black women, you know, like not in the sense that you think that you are, but your actions are still detrimental to the evolution of a black woman, you know, like how she feels about herself. Sometimes it comes, you know, through like the validation of a black man. So if you think I'm a lesser being and, you know, like you see me less than like as a woman, like it's something about, you know, who you are as a black man that validates me, you know, like that, that lifts me up. So if you're not lifting me up, I know I'm supposed to, but it's still something about when a man looks at you and he sees all of you flaws and all that just gives you a sense of, of pride, a sense of happiness, like some people that's not really in a position to like accept that, like, you know, like, oh, I don't need all, like you do, like you have self-validation, but at the same time, like you still need to be validated from somebody else. It's just, it's in your innate being, like you're a human being, like and sometimes you just want to be validated and lifted by other people. And sometimes the people that we look to as black men, they can give two shits about who we are as black women, unless, you know, 
it comes in the form of defending them. But I also feel like part of that is for so long, like a lot of black women has had their foot on black men's neck. So they really don't know how to speak up because so long we try to control what it is that they say or do like, mm-hmm. oh, no, if he don't do this, then it doesn't matter. So in the same breath, I can say, like, we can't expect them to stand up and we're going to keep putting our foot on the necks and expect them to lay down and do what we're supposed to do. Like, we have to let them be a man and allow them to be that man. And, you know, let them control the narrative. Like, we can't control everything. So it sucks. But at the same time, like, I feel like we need to shelter some of that blame as well because we don't have no accountability, you know, when it comes to that same thing sometimes. Mm-hmm. So just just so y'all know, she goes very in-depth into this conversation on her podcast. First episode of her podcast just goes um, this times 100, Right. Um, and I just want to make sure that like, I put that out there because she unapologetically, apologetically, country sounding, and, <laughs> and she made sure, look, if this ain't for you, turn it off, keep it moving. You know what I mean? Um, and so, you know, I really appreciate you being um, your genuine self and making sure that you put that out there um, because, you know, we do have instances where you know, my gender will talk on behalf of women, which is not a bad thing. It's just, um, it's a very fine line, right? Because um, we don't want to get to a point where we're talking about what women want or what women need when we don't necessarily have all the information or or have gone through your experiences, right? Um, And so um, with that said, um, I'm going to let Ashley go continue. You're muted, Ashley. Oh, man, I was muted and I was looking for something. Um, I wanted to also um, touch on, I know Jack, Jacqueline, I know your, um, your organization deals with um, children and their, their image. And I know with what's going on right now, I imagine you are already fighting kind of an uphill battle with that positive imagery. Um, and then we have now we have the Black Lives Matter. We have the civil unrest that's going on right now as a woman how do you balance um continuing to fight through your organization's purpose while dealing with what we're dealing with right now or do you feel that being a woman gives you an advantage or disadvantage mm-hmm. advantage or disadvantage advantage mm-hmm. i would definitely say advantage The traditional visual role within the movement, whether it be the Black Lives Matter movement or civil rights movement, Black power movement, the traditional visual role has been the supportive role, has been the nurturer, the advisor, the fuel, the nourishment, whether it be Um, intellectual, psychological, or even physical nourishment, like cooking meals and making food. That that has been um, the traditional visual role. But the more radical movements, um, as early as I can think of in terms of like what is actually documented have been from the Black Panther Party movement, where women were a lot more visual, visual, women bore arms and um, were responsible for the the, uh, breakfast programs and different programs. And they were in the forefront of these movements. And so like, I feel, I feel, and even my mentor, you know, the mentor's mentor, my mentor is Ms. Arbor Rice, who's the CEO and president of the New York Urban League. And she is, she is one of very few female presidents within the, the National Urban League affiliates. And I just, I just have examples of women actively making change. And so I believe the women, whether it was supportive or radical in activity, we've always been the pulse of the movement. We've always been the heartbeat. We've always been the driving force. And I don't see that as a disadvantage I understand the superwoman complex, but in my experience, superwoman just gives me an expectation to live up to. 
it's mm-hmm. not for me in my experience it hasn't been a burden for me to constantly put on my back and make sure I carry it it's 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 um it's an expectation that I continue to live up to that's how I feel about it mm-hmm. and I do understand the other side of it feeling like it's a burden but I think I was given the gift or just naturally have it of asking for what I need I think Paige and Latasha you both you both talked about your experience of having a lot of people come to you. Actually, all the women on this in this Zoom call have said a lot of people come to us. Like we are super women. We are, we are the person who you call when you need to have results, when you need impact, when you need uh, um, just a, if you need your spirits lifted, you inspire higher. That's what you do naturally and professionally. And I just was given the advice or somewhere along the line of ask for what you need. Ask for what you need, even if it's as simple as I need some attention, which a lot of us who feel like we need to be powerful, we need to be strong, especially the blacker berries of us, we need, we, we have to, it's, we're forced to. Um, even if it's simple as I, I need a hug. I need a hug. I need attention. I need love. I need something. And I do that often and early. Like I'm out in the forefront of a lot of different things of clothing drives of feed the poor or feed the hungry, or even just, um, in my friendship circles, I'm that one, like you come to me, but if I need something, I ask for it. Mm -hmm. And I also think I've had examples, strong examples of women who, if they need something, if it's, and, and, even if it's as simple as I need you to write this for me, I need you to do this proposal or I I need a hug. I need, I need a word of encouragement. We all have to ask for it. And I think the more that we do that as mentors within the organization that I'm a part of, but just the life in general, the more it gives. And I think Stephanie, you said this too, the more it gives, gives people license to do that too. If Jackie asks for help, then it must be okay to ask for help. Mm -hmm. I think leading by example constantly, and I don't think it's it's difficult, more difficult in this time or in any. Like we are, we are constantly in this struggle. This is new for America. This is not new for us. This is not new in our lives. Um, but yeah, to answer that, to answer the question, I think yes, it does give me an advantage to be a woman because I do have a an innate sensibility of of nourishing others. It's it's my duty. It's my calling. But it's also my responsibility to make sure like Paige said you're not feeling from an empty cup you're feeling from the abundance of your cup Mm -hmm. so replenish yourself first and then you can reach out and outreach and have acts of service acts of kindness acts of duty for other people and I think within the program the the women that are in the program that are leading the program understand that too Mm -hmm. awesome so I have a quick I have a quick question for everyone um do you guys feel as though that the general consensus of gender roles still exists today? Yes. Okay. And Not necessarily yeah. roles, strengths. Okay. There are strengths that women have and there are strengths that men have. It doesn't mean that each couldn't do either or, but there are things that, and this is... To, Another part of the principles of the Royalty Project, which is a cultural enrichment initiative, is that this is a joint interest between kings and queens because we cannot exist without each other. Or we reach a higher level of self and a higher level of divinity when we get the when we get the yang and the yin and the yang to work in accordance to how it naturally divinely does. We can make each other better. Not that we can't do each other's roles or jobs we just have specific strengths as female entities and specific strengths as male entities that those strengths if we work them well and then we work them together create a a positivity or uplift us to a place that is only imaginable right now in the in the current state of where we are with the contention between black men and black women And, and I want everybody to answer that um, and everyone else who's going to answer that. Um, I want to ask the question, um, just play devil's advocate, right? What is, the woman's, what is the woman's role in protecting the Black man? So um, are gender roles still um, uh, in, ex- in existence? And 
in that, what is the woman's role in protecting the black man? Does it matter what order we go in? It's it's your world. Let's go. <laughs> um, I was gonna say, um, I agree with everything that um that Jacqueline said. Um, but I also feel like one of the biggest problems that we have with this movement and like what kind of hinders us sometimes is individually, like people don't know their roles in this fight because they live up to what they think is supposed to be an expectation of how you're supposed to do the fight. When everybody doesn't have the same role, everybody's role isn't supposed to be out, you know, um, holding up the signs and, you know, doing the speeches. That's not everybody's passion. That's not everybody's purpose in this fight. Like you have to know what your role is within this fight. And I feel like some people lack the identity and knowing who they are and knowing their purpose in this fight. Like, the front lines may not be the same for me as it is for you. I'm a mental health advocate. So for me, that's a front line for me. So fighting the fight within, you know, bringing awareness to mental health within our communities and making sure to provide resources and let people know. So that's how I fight, uh, fight the, you know, the fight in the front lines versus some people, they don't know their identity in the role. So they just kind of like all over the place. And I feel like it caused a lot of bickering because some people, they judge what other people are doing because, what they're doing doesn't look like what they're doing. And so trying to understand like what their role is, like they kind of diminish it where we really all need those roles. You just have to understand what your role is in the fight instead of trying to put what another person else is doing. Like that's their purpose. Like that's their lane. So they need to own that lane. But if you have no business being there, don't go in that lane. And as far as your other question, um, in a sense, I feel like how we can support, um, black men in this fight is in essence be his peace mm -hmm. um be his peace because a lot of black men they don't have a safe place to come and lay their burdens down and be their most vulnerable selves like if they need to come like whether it's cry it out just get angry curse whatever the situation may be a lot of men don't have that safe place to just come and lay it down and be like listen i had a really jacked up day I'm really feeling very emotional. I'm feeling very vulnerable. Like I'm just, I'm stressed out. Like I, I need a moment to just kind of lay it there and not just be your protector. Like I need you to protect me. Like I need to be able to give you my heart. I need you to um, be able to give my spirit to you and feel, you know, okay. Like I don't need to be able to give it to you and use it as a weapon against me whenever I make you mad or hurt your feelings. So I feel like we never, needs to be able to be his peace and be his safe place and if he say i need you be able to show up in the same way that we expect you all to show up for us so it need to be a lot of reciprocity too all right thank you thank you and that's 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 heavy because um you know one of the things that us as black males are um and, and for the most part are conditioned to is not being able to express emotion right or not feel comfortable expressing it within a woman so um that's real deep and you know, that's something I hope resonates with our audience once they get to see this, um, is that, you know, um, you guys are offering to be that, right? Um, and I think a lot of times there's a misconception that, as you stated, me being vulnerable is me giving you something to use against me at a later time. Mm -hmm. And um, that's unfortunate, but that's that's kind of how it, it, things have transpired. And that's why I asked the question about gender roles and, you know, protecting the black man. And, and once again, I will ask the men the same question um, just to see what their perspective is on that as well. Um, and I'll, I'll ask on that too. Um, um, oh, what was I going to say? Oh, in terms of gender roles, I think there's an expectation of traditional gender roles. But I will say sometimes we as women don't know how to stand back and let the men be men. Um, and because we're so used to doing it all. And so when the men are saying, okay, we're going to do blah, 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 if it's not in the way that we're going to do it, then it's like, oh, step aside, we got this. So I think it's allowing the men to, to you know, lead the movement in the way that they would like to lead it. Because this movement was started by women, women, uh, women had this idea of how they wanted to do it, but also allowing that male voice to be present and how do we, um, you know, continue this movement because it is black while black men and women are being killed it is black men that are being killed at a higher rate so it's like how do we 
address that. And I think allowing the male voice to be louder in the movement, because in the beginning it wasn't. Um, and then in terms of how do we protect the man, I, I agree with Tisa is allowing uh, a level of vulnerability. Um, and, you know, I think part of the reason why men don't um, feel they can be vulnerable and that it'll be thrown back in their faces because it has been. So it's also checking yourself and saying, you know, one, we need to be able to be vulnerable with each other, you know, because as Black women, we carry a lot of burden too. So I need to be able to lay my burdens down and lay, you know, and us, and us connect. And I don't think we do enough of that. And so I think um, in putting yourself, like switching the role and say, like, if I were to be vulnerable with this man and he threw it back in my face, how would that make me feel? And so in doing that um, and being more empathetic, you know, both men and women, I think we would be able to come to a better understanding where we both have a safe space. Because just like men need a safe space to unload their emotions, we as women need a safe space too. And I know there's this misconception of like, oh, women always get to cry, but not Black women. Mm -hmm. We always have to hold it together. We always have to be fine. And for me, like as a single Black woman, I'm always like, oh, I just cannot wait till I can just be vulnerable with somebody be like, hey, take all of this, please, because I can't <laughs> carry it no more. And so, you know, for, for so that's the thing I want men to understand, too, is like that burden that you're carrying that you want to sit down somewhere, we want to do that, too. And I think, you know, when you go back um, historically to slavery, we were never put our relationships, black men and women were not put together to learn how to connect intimately. It was only to how can we procreate, right? Because it's a business. Slavery was a business. So I think, and when we talk about unlearning and relearning, it's unlearning how to just survive and learning how to thrive together and connecting intimately. So I think that's part of this movement is us healing, but also healing together. That's that's actually great because I want to go to the next um, person, which is Stephanie and Latasha, right? Um, Stephanie, you mentioned um, two families being right next to each other um, and the men being ripped apart and um, leading, leaving to have to support one another. Let's take it a little further back, right? Um, Demasculation of the man in front of his family and children, uh, in front of his family was um, the huge, uh, a huge part in ensuring that he is mentally incapable of being vulnerable, right? Or showing the emotion of, of weakness because it would make him look even lesser of a man. Um, how do you feel as though that um, today, even Black, the Black Lives Matter movement is doing a job in communicating that, um, and this is is going to be a little difficult to phrase the question, right? Because um, this is not something that is talked about. It's it's more equality. It's more uh, equality as as it relates to race, but we don't talk about equality as it relates to um, emotional equality, right? Um, we don't talk about emotional equity within one another. Um, we don't talk about breaking generational um, um, traumas, right? Um, and a lot of people are still dealing with generational traumas from times of slavery, all right? So how do you feel like the, the communication aspect of things um, deal with communicating it's being okay for a man to communicate his emotions to a woman? Um, and then Latasha, once, once you jump on, you know, in your practice, how are you able to kind of help um, both genders kind of work through that you know what I mean um not necessarily just on a relationship therapy type of thing but um you know being able to say hey it's okay to let him be the man it's okay to let her just care for you um so I'm gonna go to Stephanie and then we can go to Latasha okay so let me make sure I understand your question you're asking how these movements communicate that it's okay for a black man to express his feelings to a black woman yeah, and it's, like I said, it, it's it's not the movement is not directed there, but um, how are our mediums communicating this, right? Because you know we have the multitude of black men being killed, um, 
and the uh, and the multitude of black women being killed but the only emotion that black men can kind of express to show that they're in the movement is rage and not hurt and not depression or um sad or um feeling any type of way like is there is there a way that is there something communicating to us letting it's not it's okay to tell us you're hurting does that make sense yeah, I think if you're a black man who feels like you have to have a monolith of emotions, you need to get around some other black men who don't feel that way, who had a different experience. I think as a woman, my my gender role, you know, I'm going to use that really loosely, is to let a man raise a man. And so I think um, what has been echoed throughout this podcast or, or this last question, at least, is that as women, sometimes we don't know how to stand back and let men be men. I'm going to be honest with you. When you ask the question, what can a black woman do to protect the black man? My first thought was, I've been doing that. Have you asked him that? Like, <laughs> I've been doing that since the beginning of time. And so it's not that... Um, Black men should feel like they're coming into a space where they are attacked. But I also want to flip it to the other side of the situation. Most of the time when you see a black woman talking to a black man in that manner is because he's not doing what he's supposed to be doing. So if you got a, a what is it, a Jody and a vet situation, they both toe up. And so they're both damaging each other in that way, right? But I think if we had black men who were willing to help and raise and communicate to other black men that this is the way that you do it. This is the right way. This is what you should avoid. I think it would help a lot of the problems in our community because we are missing fathers and that's nobody's fault necessarily in the black community. We have the crack epidemic. We have the war on drugs where we have so many of our black men still in jail while marijuana is being legalized. You know what I mean? And so I think if we had that male presence to help instruct a black man on how to be a black man, then he would know it's okay to show your emotions. My father told me the same thing and I'm not a boy. It's okay to show your emotions, get it all out as long as it takes and then what you gonna do about it? Cause you can't stay there. And I think our role also is to not coddle any of our people because we have this resilience that comes through experience. You know what I mean? And so it's gotta be, let black men fail too. We always want to cradle and protect because we know that the world is evil and we know what's coming, but they have to also be able to fail and say, I talked to that woman and she didn't, she threw it back in my face but I need to go back and try again. I don't want our people to ever be afraid to try again, because like I said, we're always rebuilding, we're architects. Awesome, awesome. Natasha? You're on mute, there you yeah, go. I, yep, I got that over here. Um, it's so funny, you have to remember that after doing this for work all the time, you're constantly, you know? So anywho, um, you know, I certainly don't want to be repetitive to a lot of things that were already said because you all pretty much said a lot of things that I, I certainly agree with. But one of the things I do want to just put out there for some consideration, especially given who is going to be listening to this, is what actually is gender? And, and that means something very different to some people. And some people don't even fall into those. They don't consider themselves within that male and female or that man and woman. They, they don't. And so I, I want to put that out there and I want to be affirming in that way. And I want to be inclusive in that way in terms of what is gender. And I'm not here to necessarily answer that question because, again, that looks very different from everybody. But I, I want us to kind of really just be inclusive about that idea. And then when we talk about the whole idea about gender roles, and I definitely want to agree and echo what Paige said about the traditional piece. And I do think there's a lot of that that still exists, especially from a cultural background. And, and when you think culture, I mean, you know, I'm my, my dad's side of the family is, is Trinidadian and Grenadian. And, and just in a lot of other people in my life that are all from uh, other Caribbean backgrounds, there is a tradition about what the man does and what the woman does. And, and I, you know, I can't say that I necessarily disagree with some of those things, but I also think that some of it is, it, it exists because it's, it's necessary. It exists when it's available. 
And when I mean by available, I mean potentially, for example, in a traditional sense, having a, 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 a male and female run household potentially versus a single woman or single man household. And kind of what does gender role look like there? Right. Mm-hmm. Does it mean that the children step up in some kind of way um, and, and fit into those roles? So then they become sort of parentified at the same time. I don't want to veer the topic too much. But again, like I said, I don't want to repeat to a lot of the things what are, that were already said. Mm-hmm. The other thing I want to add to that, too, is while, yes, everybody may have their role. It's also going to be helpful to know, like Jacqueline says, strengths and then most importantly, what people need. Because just because I'm a woman and I'm expected to do, for example, cook and clean, maybe does the man need that? Maybe he can cook and clean himself and he may want me to do something else or he may want me to, you know, help in a different way. Mm -hmm. So my personal belief is that there's a part of me that's pretty traditional in a lot of ways. But then I also feel like. You know, listen, I may be able to put up that that picture or that fan or something like that because the man can't do it. I may be able to do that. Man, you could go ahead and cook and I'm okay with that too. So I think ideally we want to work towards being open to the variety of what these roles can entail and how fluid they are. And then who, you know, who identifies with it and even what that looks like and how that can also look very differently. Thank you so much. That was, um, that was I agree with you. Everything that you guys said hit on a different point of uh, my thought process in those um, those particular areas. I want to kind of transition a little bit. Um, wait, wait, wait. Before we transition, I'm, can I answer the part about protecting the Black man? Yes, ma'am. I'd like to answer that. Um, uh, from my perspective, I'm going to speak from my experience, my perspective, and my point of view. We can't protect the Black man that we can't, we can't protect the black man as much as they can't protect us. We know from our experience and our history, things happen and not even just from the standpoint of being black in America, but just being a human being, things happen to people that we can't protect them. Um, Mm -hmm. What we can do is we can show compassion, we can reach for understanding and we can be vulnerable and we can perceive vulnerability as a strength rather than a weakness. Those are the things that we can offer because we can't protect each other. And I think in in recent modern memes and things that are circling around social media about being his peace, mm-hmm. um, being his peace, that yeah, for some for some women, being a man's peace is what they should be. But um, what I what I would perceive from that is it, whatever it is, it needs to be reciprocal. All of your relationships with all the men in your lives or all the men in our lives are very different. Not not all of the women in their lives need to be their peace. Some of them need to be their power. Some of them need to be their motivation. Some of them need to be their competition. Some of them need to be rejected. And I think a lot of a lot of reason why we have ill feelings from our experiences with the opposite gender is because we don't enforce that reciprocity. If somebody's treating you poorly, you don't you don't need to be his peace. You need to give him the same energy or or a respect for yourself that puts him in a place that 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 requires distance. That may mean that may be what he needs from you. I think it needs to be assessed with every different relationship with our husbands, with our significant others, as well as our brothers and our fathers and our sons. Um, and our cousins. Every relationship is different, and who you are to that relationship is based on reciprocity. Thank you. Thank you. Thank. I'm so glad. Um, I apologize. I definitely did not intend to skip over you. That is great. You wrapped up. You. That was a great summary. Thank you. 